Welcome to E to the Power of Three, a podcast of Bridging the Gap, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from Pastor, Kyalpha Director, and 30 for Freedom founder, Brent Silkey, as he has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, they will be discussing how youth and young adults are being current world changers. You'll also hear the heart behind 30 for Freedom, the realities of sex trafficking, and how you can join the movement to end sex trafficking in our our lifetime. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We are so excited to have you. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. You have been on my list mm. for a while wow. and just really wanted to dive into everything we're going to talk about today. Do a lot of promo for 30 for Freedom, wow. which is coming up. Coming up. And we just want to get the word out because I personally feel so passionate as well about mm. what you guys are fighting for. Mm. And I'm giving lots of teasers. People are like, what are they talking about? But <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. And, Absolutely. you know, if you could just take a couple minutes and introduce yourself. Yeah. And for those who may not know you, sure. um, that would be great. And then we'll jump on in. Yeah, no, it's great. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here, to share this time together mm-hmm. and be on the podcast here. So my name is Brent Silkey, and I have the joy of being Aliza's husband. I have the joy of being Belle, Clara, Henry, and Josiah's dad. <laughs> and so those are my two most primary important roles in my life. And then I get to serve as the Chi Alpha Director for the City of St. Paul, primarily working with students from the University of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. And I get to serve the movement of 30 for Freedom that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. Yeah. So there's really never a dull moment <laughs> <laughs> between all that. But I really feel, we really feel like we're in a sweet spot and we really feel like we're doing what God's called us to do. And we're so thankful for that. Yeah. And I am, like I said, just so excited to have you here talking about these things. We were joking beforehand. I was like, I don't know if we've ever officially met in person, (laughs) but we have been running the same social circles. And I just see that all you are doing and just, you know, the people that you're with are Mm. just doing such amazing thing with Chi Alpha and with this young generation and then everything with 30 for Freedom. And you're just so busy too. Like you are speaking at conferences and it's like, Truly someone who is changing the world. And so just really appreciate all you are doing. And I'm like, let's talk about these things Mm -hmm. and jump into it. So I'm just jazzed you're here. So first thing, I would love to hear more about Chi Alpha because Mm -hmm. I think we hear, oh, yeah, I'm a part of Chi Alpha or, oh, the Chi Alpha ministry at this college. And people are like, but what is that? (laughs) (laughs) What is it? So would you just share a little bit about what it is and then how you got involved? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I was a youth pastor at Cedar Valley, I served there for 10 years in the youth ministry, um, part as a volunteer, part as an intern, and then part as pastoral staff, and just the best. I love next-gen ministry. I love Mm -hmm. students. And I just think about when we graduate students out, I think I I recently heard that it was 66% is the updated statistic that the kids who grew up in our church Mm -hmm. within their first two years are leaving home, walk away from the faith and from God and from, from the church and all that. And I thought about that stat when I was a youth pastor, I think it was like 70, 80%. And I just think about something has to be done. But even as a youth pastor, I wasn't, we tried our best to equip our students, right, to be ready for the next step, whether it was workforce, military, college, whatever it might be. We had Sunday school, back when we had Sunday school, Sunday school classes and all these things to prep our students. But man, 66% is far too high. Yeah. And so hearing about Chi Alpha, like what is Chi Alpha? And I knew a little bit about it. I knew about who Mike Amiat was, the director of Chi Alpha for mm-hmm. the state, but I didn't really know, 
I wasn't really, it's kind of the same thing. Like I knew I was aware of it, but not like what it was doing and how God was using it to reach the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about Chi Alpha, I think of it like the local church expression on a college campus. And I think about the the verbiage that we use in St. Paul is it helps, we help students find Jesus and follow him for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of that is it's not just, hey, this college experience, this young adult ministry, it's no, it's literally preparing and equipping them to be disciple makers, Mm -hmm. to be people who are leaders, people who are changing the world with Jesus being the driving force behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think about, um, you know, worship services that happen weekly, small groups that happen weekly, outreaches that take place, retreats, conferences, where they can really take their faith to the next level. And I just, it's one of the greatest privileges in the whole world is to walk with a student from their freshman year all the way through graduation and see God change them and work in them. And then when they graduate and they look back, they're like, whoa. Mm. And I like, I'm like, hey, do you remember your freshman year? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know where any buildings yeah. were. And then, and then to see them graduate and to be people who are like disciplers, people who, are, who like love Jesus and want to like bring that influence to the world is the greatest. It's one of the greatest privileges in our whole life to mm-hmm. see that. So we got invited. It was actually about seven years ago. Mike Amiot came into my office when I was working at Cedar Valley. I was the senior high pastor. And just for the audience to know, Micah McDonald brought me to church mm-hmm. when I got saved as a freshman in college. So mm-hmm. college is really a pivotal time in my story, mm-hmm. and it is for a lot of students. And then fast forward the clock from my 18, when I was 18 to when I'm in my 20s, Micah McDonald's the junior high pastor at Cedar Valley. I'm the high school pastor, and Josiah Keneally's the young adult pastor. What a group. <laughs> what a group. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so fun. I loved going to work every day, mm-hmm. and Micah's office is next door. Josiah's is down the hall. But we had this heartbeat for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And Mike Amiot comes to my office, and he, I, I love coffee, and he slides a caribou coffee across my desk. And someone told him my order. It's very simple, just black coffee. And, <laughs> <laughs> but he slid Good it across guess, the yeah. desk, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, we, he's like, I want to just share something with you and just brainstorm a little bit. I was like, well, I love brainstorming. Mm-hmm. He was literally sitting just like in this office. My whiteboard is behind him. I'm a whiteboard, like idea guy, vision yeah. guy. And so he's like, hey, so the, you know, we're looking at starting Chi Alpha, the first Chi Alpha at the, at the, or the first private school Chi Alpha in Minnesota. I was like, love it. Like, that sounds like challenging, right? Mm-hmm. He said, so we're looking at the University of St. Thomas. We're looking at someone who can lead, build a team, do all these things. And I was like, great. Like, Mike, how can I help? You know, I've got a, a pretty good network in North Central that are, you know, students, people are interning right now at church. Like, how can I help? And he goes, well, we're wondering if you would consider pioneering this Mm. ministry. And I was like, I was like, just straight up, like I knew at the time this was not God's will. (laughs) (laughs) We had just purchased our first home, a townhouse, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. we were, we had just had Clara our second. So we have two kids, a new mortgage. And, and, and I was like, Mike, that sounds awesome. And I'm sure that something like that would come with like a great benefits package and medical care. He's like, well, you have to become a missionary. Mm. And that's where I was like, this is, there's no way this is like irresponsible financially. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into becoming a missionary. <laughs> there, yeah. No, there, this is not, this can't be it. So we met on a Wednesday mm-hmm. that night, Micah McDonald was preaching in youth group and he said something, I don't know that he ever did this before. And I, I don't recall him doing this afterward ever. He said, do not leave the room tonight until you've heard from God. Mm. So I was like taking that as a personal challenge. Right. Yeah, so I found yeah. a spot in the back. I lay, I literally laid on my face before the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was the craziest thing because I couldn't get St. Thomas out of my head all day after Mike's, after our conversation. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm on my face before God in the back of the theater at Cedar Valley and God gives me a vision. And I'm not like a vision everyday guy. Like this has happened once in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I, the vision is I'm standing on a particular place on the campus at St. Thomas with the Bible open and students around me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no. Like what, <laughs> what does this mean, God? Like, you know? oh gosh. <laughs> and so my wife is, you know, she's got our three-year-old, she's got our newborn, she's walking around the lobby. My favorite place in the whole, of the whole week in the whole world is the church lobby on a Wednesday night. Hmm. You have grandparents, you've got parents, you've got kids, you've got youth running around. It's it's chaos, but it's like family. Mm-hmm. I love being in, the, I'm an extrovert. I'm an ENFP <laughs> seven, right? Enneagram. So like love being in the lobby, love connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And my wife's walking around like, where's Brent? She finds, she comes into the theater and she's like, sees me on my face. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay at all. <laughs> and so we went through the next few weeks and we consulted with mentors mm-hmm. and we talked to other people. My in-laws, David and Kendra Millsaps are missionaries, career missionaries. So like mm. the missionary life is not unfamiliar to my wife. Mm. It's, it was very unfamiliar to me, but just talking with them. And I, I got to the point where I just said, okay, God, if this is your will for my family, just show me one more thing. Give me one more mm-hmm. sign, if you will. So I'm at district council Friday morning, Emmanuel Christian Center. I'm I'm like really visual, so I I just remember. No, I love it. You're painting me a picture. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sitting on the front pew there before they did all the renovations and before the Hello Possible, all that campaign. And someone stood up and read Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. They said, I've called you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners I've called you. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about, I'm like from South Korea, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like coming Mm -hmm. here. Um, I've chosen you. I've not rejected you. I've called you my servant. Do not be afraid. I will go before you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm -hmm. And I lost it. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on the front pew and I'm sobbing. And Pastor St. John was pacing during during prayer, which I know he does that. And he saw me like sitting there. I'm the only one who's having this emotional (laughs) breakdown experience. I've got my hands covering my face. I have like tears and snot everywhere. I have no tissues around. And I'm like, oh my word, I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) Pastor St. John comes over and he says, he says, hey, what's the Lord doing right now? I said, Pastor, he just called us to become the first ever Chi Alpha missionaries to private school ministries or to a private school in Minnesota at St. Thomas. And he's like, wonderful. He had that little like twinkle in his eye. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then he came and he prayed. He came and prayed for me in that time. And I'm literally, I'm not kidding you. My, ha- my hands are covering my face because I literally am a mess. And my greatest fear as a dad and as a husband and as a, as a leader was like, okay, the provision side for my family yeah. and all of this becoming a missionary. So he prays for us. I feel this burden lifted that's mm-hmm. been on me for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God has called us to do this. I'm like, I can't like, I, I have to tell everyone. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> just talking to people. Just around tell everyone, yeah. like, what's wrong? <laughs> you look so much better than yesterday. I'm like, well, God made it clear what we've been praying yeah. and fasting about that we're supposed to do this. And by the end of that first day, we had seven churches or individuals that said, we totally can see you doing that. Mm-hmm. We want to be a part of that. We want to financially support Amen. this. By the first day, I was Amen. like, God, you are so faithful. Yeah. So good. So that's kind of how we got introduced to Chi Alpha and like kind of immersion, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a baptism of, of, okay, God, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go all in. And so part of my personality mm-hmm. is all or nothing. And so if we're going to do this, like, let's go. And so, yeah, God has, God has been really faithful. One thing that will be relevant when I share about 30 for Freedom mm-hmm. is that um, I heard that it took it would take on average 18 months to raise a budget as a Kyle director. And I was like, man, 18, a year and a half. That's a long time. I'm like, if, if we, because we started May 1st, 2015, I'm like, if we wait for 18 months to try to raise our budget, if that's my target, I'll literally miss an entire class of students. Mm. And I'm like... 
I think we need to like do this in a different way. So I was talking to my support raising coach, Roger Lane, Pastor Roger, amazing man of God. Um, he is unbelievable. He was our executive pastor at the church of Cedar Valley at the time. I said, Pastor Roger, my goal is to raise our budget in four months. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, we're going to have to have a meeting about that. <laughs> and, and basically he said, you have to have a minimum of three breakfasts, three lunches, and three dinners every single week minimum mm-hmm. if you're going to even get close to your goal. And so we worked hard. We contacted everybody we could think of <laughs> saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is our dream. This is mm-hmm. the vision God's given us. And on the very last day, August 31st, 2015, the four-month mark, um, at like 9.37, we got a message on Facebook of one of our supporters that said, hey, we want to actually double our support, what we said. And that got us to exactly our goal by the end of that four-month period. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say, first of all, where God guides, he provides. Yep, and it yep. doesn't always happen in four months. I understand that. But it was a, it was for us, it was the se- a season of miracles before we actually got to launch the ministry, which was like so faith building for our fam- our young family. Mm-hmm. And then the other cool thing was we were able to then get to campus sooner. Mm-hmm. And I think about all the relationships we made that first year, people that I was texting with this morning that were a part of that first class that went mm-hmm. with us for their first four years of college and how dear they are to us mm-hmm. and doing a wedding last fall for one of them. And, and just like God knew that, that, that we needed to be there sooner. The other thing that was crazy was, so that was August 31st, 2015. In a few more months, uh, God gave me the dream to, for 30 for Freedom. Mm. And we would never have had the confidence or the courage or yeah. the audacity to try to go raise $30,000 for an outside different thing mm-hmm. if we wouldn't have had our budget raised. Mm-hmm. So God was like ordering our steps, like his word says, of course. Yeah. But it was one of those things where we didn't know it at the time. We didn't even realize it when it was happening. But reflecting back, we're like, the goodness of God is unbelievable to yeah. us. And he is truly in charge. Right. It's just like when you're sitting in God's obedience, just mm-hmm. the fruit mm-hmm. that comes from that. Yeah. And and just the faithfulness. Mm. And it's like, I'm not going to lead you down a path that you're going to get lost on. Yeah. It's like, if we're walking in this, we're doing this together. Yeah. And ah, I just, I love all of the ministry that is going on in college campuses. Mm. Cause like you said, those are some big numbers of kids who are walking away. And I, I call it camp syndrome, you know, when they mm. go to camp and it's like a week and you're in into God and you're so excited. And you're like, I'm going to make a difference. And then you go home and then you kind of lose it. Mm. So to have all of these people who are just in ministry and just ministering to these college students to, like you said at the beginning, like we're with them for four years or as long as they're there, like pouring into them every day so that they don't have the camp syndrome and that when they launch into the real world quotes, Mm -hmm. that they have that foundation. It's so good. So it's when we're talking about younger generations, Mm because I know that there's just a lot of work that you do with college students, but then also with some younger generations, even after that, I think that the world has a tendency to count out college students Mm -hmm. and high school students. And, you know, especially honestly, this generation, we think of younger kids are just obsessed with their phones and just can be self-absorbed and stuff like that. But the world changing mentality Mm. that I have seen with younger generations more recently has just been amazing. And it just, it brings me to tears sometimes. Like even before we started recording, you were telling me these stories of how these kids are raising money for these big issues, like big issues that are going on in the world and just so generous. And so I just would 
love to hear from you a little bit. Like, let's just brag on some of yeah, these yeah, kids. Yeah. And kind of two questions is just how have you seen them change the world? Mm. And also, why is it so important for us to be pouring into the yeah. next generation? Yeah. Beautiful questions. I think of a student, I actually sent her a text yesterday, um, one of our students at St. Thomas, and she said, she was. I, I love this generation because they don't just identify an issue, they actually go and do stuff about mm-hmm. it. And so she said, hey, I drive around and I see people that are asking for help on the side of, you know, on exit ramp or whatever. She said, I, I just feel like I need to like put something together for them. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, tell me like, how can we help you? Like, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So here she is on her own going to the store, buying a whole bunch of supplies, hygienic supplies and things, food. And she's putting them in her, these little packs and she's literally has them in her car. So when she pulls up to on an exit ramp and sees someone that says they need help, she can roll her window down and say, Hey, here you go. Wow. And I love that. It's like, yeah. taking this, it's not just like feeling awkward and sitting there. What do I do? It's literally like, Hey, this is a problem. This is, I've identified the problem and I need to do something about it. And mm-hmm. I have money as a college student to go to target and get these things, put them in Ziploc bags and write something on the bag and just have them in my car. I'm like, yes, it's taking their faith and putting it into action. Mm-hmm. And so I sent her a text yesterday. I said, Hey, because I, I found a picture of her with the, her first bags that she she made. Mm. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. You yeah. know, you're doing this. You're changing. You're literally act of kindness could be changing that person's entire week yep. of what you're helping them have and just giving them hope and being a, a Christ, you know, um, Christ ambassador to them. I think about a student named Bennett who went to Zoe Church. Um, still goes there, I guess. And then she graduated this last year and she felt like she heard about the issue of sex trafficking from her youth group, from Pastor Hunter Costello. And she said, well, we have to do something about this. So this month, this month, like one month, she's like, I'm going to raise $15,000. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this year? This year? No, 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 no. This month, month. We're gonna, in three weeks, we're going to raise fifteen. Uh. I'm like, 15000 That's amazing. So <laughs> I heard about her. She was coming to St. Thomas in the fall. I was like, hey, let's talk. So we, we chatted on the phone. I said, hey, this is, it would be really great for people if, if you're going to raise that much money or if that's your goal in three weeks, we have to have a way where people can give online, where they can be receipted for their tax deduction, all that kind of stuff. Do you have that set up? She's like, well, I don't have that set up. I was like, well, we have that in place for 30 for freedom. Zoe is doing 30 for freedom. Like, mm-hmm. let's get you set up with a mm-hmm. page. So sure enough, you know, after her three weeks are done, it comes to $18,000 or something. Like You're that. like, what? <laughs> like, okay. But she saw a need. She said, I'm a DECA. You know, she's like a, a state officer for DECA. She's, mm. she's this kind of person that's like, I'm going to talk to businesses. I know all these people. So she leveraged her network. She said, this is what's happening in the world. Every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim of sex trafficking. Here I am as a 17-year-old kid. I'm going to use my 18th birthday. I'm going to do all these things and, and raise these funds so people can be free in Jesus' name. Would you come alongside me? And people were like, um, yes, yes, mm-hmm. and yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just think I see, I see students that have this vision. They have a passion. And you, you mentioned phones, right? And yeah. like... Uh, you know, the idea that they're born with a phone in their hand and that kind of thing. I think it's so, it's such an amazing thing because they, they don't like Clint Reddy, my friend said this at a conference recently. He said, if we had an assignment in high school to make a video, it's like, oh my word, that'll take all weekend. How yeah. do I do that? I need to get my camcorder. I need to figure out how to find a computer that has a software mm-hmm. to edit. And if you ask a kid in high school to make a video, they're like, okay, I got 30 seconds. Sure. I can make a video because mm-hmm. it's, they're naturally like they're born into this content creation mentality and this entrepreneurial sense of like, yeah, like I can do that. So, Hey, I need a, I found a, an issue over here. We need to help homeless people that, that are in need. I'm going to, I'm going to do something about it. Oh, we need to raise money to help rescue people out of sex trafficking. Oh, I'm going to do something about mm-hmm. it using their social media, using what they have at their disposal 
to make a difference in the world. And so I love seeing that. I think it's so amazing. Um, there was a student in Chicago who heard about Speed the Light and the needs to, mm-hmm. to raise funds for missions. So she goes on Instagram Live and she's gonna she's like, I'm gonna sing whatever song y'all tell me to do, just donate to my page. Mm. So people are donating. And uh, my friend Micah Mack told me this one and he, he's, he's like, she's not a singer. Mm. She's not a musician. She didn't even sound like musically like with it, <laughs> but people are like, she's put herself out there on social yeah. media, on li- Instagram live to raise funds and she raised funds to help make a difference in our world. Mm-hmm. And I just think about that, like they are so, this is what they have. This is like, wh- like we always ask the question, well, what's in your hands? Well, it's literally a phone mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's, you know, however many hundreds or however many thousands of followers. I have some students that have hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm like, what? How? It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but they leverage what they have for the sake of when they hear about an issue or a cause or something, mm. that a need that's in the world, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, I can do something about it like right now. Mm-hmm. I can do it from sitting here in this chair in this room and just say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. Would you join me? Mm-hmm. So I love that about the next generation. They have, they seem to have no limits in terms of what they dream of mm-hmm. and then they go after it. Yeah. And that is so fun to see. Yeah. And we, you know, these are all individual stories yeah. and we haven't even talked about just the power that comes when they all band together and yes. do something. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get the number wrong, but I feel like last year for Speed the Light for Minnesota, the youth, it was like a record-breaking number that they raised. Like, yeah. wasn't it like over a million dollars? 2.8 million. I can, like <laughs> $2.8 million that these students raised. And that just blows my mind. The, Seriously. Like what they can do together. Yeah. I just, yeah, it just makes me speechless. So knowing all of this, knowing Mm -hmm. what they can do, knowing the importance that they can make for the kingdom of God, why do we need to pour into them? Yeah, yeah. That's the key question. Um, One of the things that uh, we heard recently on a a podcast about the next generation, Generation Z, Mm -hmm. is that they are, the biblical literacy rate is 4%. Whoa. 4%. Like that was shocking to me. And I think about this idea of they have, the unlimited dreams, they have capacity to create, they have this idea and this mentality of like, yeah, let's go and do this or let's go and do that. But I think if we can help them and if we can invest as the church, as the older generations into their their generation um, about like, okay, what would this look like? Not just from a social justice standpoint, mm-hmm. what would this look like from Jesus standpoint? Mm-hmm. What would this look like from a biblical justice standpoint and have that be the worldview instead of social justice, biblical justice, instead of what makes me feel this way? Like what does, what is Jesus calling me in obedience to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Because I think that it might start out like a small, like a few degrees difference, but you walk that out for a number of years and it's a huge difference what, what it can be. Mm-hmm. And so to help invest into them, to know truly what does the word of God say, to be grounded. My prayer for my children is that they would be grounded in God's word. Amen. And that because of that, they would have this biblical worldview that would mm-hmm. shape how they live and what they do and how they speak and how, you know what I mean? All, everything about them. And so for us as the older generations that, you know, we grew up in a time of probably Sunday night church, Sunday yep. morning church, right? <laughs> Wednesday night. The I was at church Friday. every day. <laughs> right, right. Like just the, we were immersed in this thing mm-hmm. where we we're hearing God's word and we're being taught God's word and we're being, hearing sermons and having opportunities yeah. to live it out. Whereas it's a little bit different culture culture today where it's more fast paced, it's more overscheduled. There maybe isn't Saturday night, Saturday night, there maybe not be Sunday night. There's surely not Sunday school in most contexts. So there's a more of a limit. And then the attention spans have changed and social media has, has become this thing that's erupted in this amazing, it can be an amazing Mm -hmm. way. It can also be destructive, but so when I think about 
for us to be able to help them to shape and craft their narrative and their story, not based on us, not based on the culture, but based on the word of God, the timeless truths of God's word is so huge. And that's, that's really why Next Gen Ministry, whether it's kids, youth, young adults, college, whatever it might be, is, is so important because if they don't have that, then they miss that worldview. And if our worldview is off, our whole life is off. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's so good. So everyone listening, pour into the next generation. (laughs) That is, it's just so important. Well, I want to switch gears here a little Mm -hmm. bit. We've talked a little bit about 30 for Freedom, and I would love for you just to kind of share a little bit more about like what it is and what's the heart, what's the heart for it. For sure. I remember hearing at North Central from my, at the time, girlfriend, who's now my wife, Aliza, she said, um, she's like, I heard about sex trafficking. And I was like, what's sex trafficking? She's mm-hmm. like, well, it's when people are like forced to do unthinkable things um, so that someone else can profit off of them. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. I, I literally, yeah. at first I was like, that can't be real. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. This is 2005. And so we're talking about this. And she said, I I've actually feel like I'm like God's calling me to change my major to psychology so that I can eventually get my master's and become a therapist and help people who've been through crazy trauma like people who've been trafficked. So I'm watching her like pivot her life direction toward this thing so that she can be, you know, a solution to this problem. And I'm inspired by her every day. And then I sit in a chapel service and David, Dr. David Grant from Project Rescue comes and he shares stories about these kids in India, these little girls, and he shares their, this, you know, just the heart-wrenching things. And I just remember sitting there as a kid, I'm 19 years old, and I'm, you know, working part-time at Best Buy. Like, I didn't have a, a lot of funds at the time. And, and just was thinking about, like, I knew I could give an offering that day. I knew I could pray at the end of the service for victims of trafficking. But I felt like God was putting something d- bigger and deeper in my heart. And I didn't know exactly what. I didn't know how to, you know, there was this big, huge issue. But it, there weren't handles to grab onto, mm. like, making a difference I, mm-hmm. that, I did, that I knew of. And so I kind of sat on that. And I, I think of it like a slow cooker or a crock pot. The dreams be, like started in like, like the slow cooker of my heart, and for the next decade, as I you know we raised funds for different things for Speed of Light and Water Wells and doing all these different campaigns, I'm like, well, we can actually use these things that we have in our hands to help make a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do I have in my hands? I've got a pair of running shoes and I've got a cell phone. So I, I remember sitting down uh, across the table from one of our former students who was um, in the Marine Corps, mm. and it was this, it was December 28th, 2015. And we sat there and he said, hey, Brent, what's new? And I said, dude, I turned 30 in five months. Hmm. He's like, man, you're getting old. I was like, brother. <laughs> when that gonna, was yeah. old. Right? like, come on, man. <laughs> no, no, he was, he, was, he was funny. And I said, but I, God's put a dream in my heart that on my 30th birthday that we would leverage it and run 30 miles, invite 30 people to run with us so we can raise $30,000 because every 30 seconds, somebody becomes a victim of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I hear briefings in the military about trafficking all the time. He mm-hmm. goes, it's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he slides a $100 bill across the table and he says, we have to do something to end it. And I was a little freaked out because at the time, it was a dream, it was something that's been in the slow cooker, but I hadn't done anything with it besides talk. Mm-hmm. So he's literally putting his money where my mouth is. Mm-hmm. So I go to my car, it's freezing cold, it's like Christmas break, he's home on leave, but it's freezing cold, and I send a text to Paul Herkman from Venture and for Pastor Mark Dean, who at the time was our district youth director, and I said, this is my dream, it's five months away, can we work together to make this a reality? And they said, yes, and yes. I'm like, let's go. Mm-hmm. So I start calling people, texting people, direct messaging people. Hey, May 28th, Saturday, would you come? Would you run 30 miles with me? And literally, it was a miraculous thing. Everyone said the same answer. No way. <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> like, a marathon is 26.2, and you're asking me to run 30. 30 Are you crazy? I hate running. <laughs> and then I would just gently explain 
the heartbeat behind it. Mm-hmm. There are kids being trafficked every 30 seconds. The average age is 12 to 13. The average age for a boy who's trafficked is nine to 12. I'm like, I have to do something. If you change your mind, let me know. And so many people would respond back a few days later or a week later and they'd say, I hate running, but I hate sex trafficking more. Yep. I'm with you. Yep. So May 28, 2016, Cedar Valley Church, North Parking Lot, 48 of us lined up to run wow. 30 miles. Wow. And then 75 were there to run a 5K version of, mm-hmm. we didn't know it would be become a thing, but it, it was supposed to be a one day event. And our goal was to raise $30,000. And because of how God worked through all the people there, the sponsors, um, at the end of that first year, we saw $81,346 raised. Amen. And we just stood back and we're like, oh my word, mm-hmm. you know? And we were brand new Chi Alpha missionaries. We're brand, like I said before in the earlier part of the podcast, if we hadn't, if God hadn't helped us to have the vision and, and the provision for, to raise our Chi Alpha budget in those first four months, I don't know that we would have had the courage to try to raise thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for outside things that didn't directly tie into what we're doing with Chi Alpha. But yeah. He provided and He did it, and then eighty one thousand, you know, eighty one thousand three hundred forty six dollars comes in, and I'm like, God, you are amazing. Mm-hmm. And so because we did this all as volunteers, everyone who is a part of it. We just got to give it right away. Mm-hmm. We just got to give all the every dollar away. And then it, the craziest thing happened, my phone just blows up the next week. Brent, I cannot wait for the run next year. I cannot wait to bring my youth group, my cross-country team, my whoever. And I'm mm-hmm. like, next year? What are you talking <laughs> about? And they're like, we can't wait for it again next year. So I was like, well, we had enough interest that the next year 400 people showed up. Mm-hmm. So 123 oh people, gosh. 400 people. It was, it was crazy. Ugh. And so... What I realized was that God was helping provide handles to grab onto this issue mm-hmm. to do something. And even if you only have a pair of shoes in your cell phone, you can raise awareness, you can raise funds. Mm-hmm. And so after year two, I was like, I can never do this again unless I have a team. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. die. Like, I can't <laughs> so do this without people. a team, right? Yeah. And so um, I invited some people that were f- from the beginning that were a part of it and we formed a board. And it became this thing where we said, okay, this person's in charge of this. And this like delegation happened mm-hmm. and just this team and this unity. Uh, it's my favorite meeting of the month is to get mm-hmm. together with the 30 for Freedom board. They're amazing people. And so uh, we basically formed this board and we said, okay, there's going to be people that want to run this in different places. And so now we have chapters. We have five chapters happening this year in Minnesota. We have three in Wisconsin, one in Iowa. We have some virtual chapters taking place in Tennessee, mm-hmm. different places. But it's become this thing where we've seen people say, I can raise awareness and I can raise funds to make a difference. And they've jumped on it. And so yeah. the funds, people say, oh, well, how much of the funds are, that are given? How, my, if I gave $100, how much of that $100 goes directly to the cause? And the cool thing is because we still operate as a volunteer-led movement, we are able to give, if someone gives a $100 donation to 30 for Freedom, $100 directly to the cause. Amen. And to the cause means this. We have, we've carefully selected three organizations we give to that do three important things, Venture, Project Rescue, and Free International. Mm-hmm. And they do prevention work. So the best case scenario is that a kid never has to endure a second of trafficking. So prevention work is huge. Rescue operations, which are really intense and really crazy. And then um, holistic survivor care. Because Mm -hmm. once someone's physically rescued, there is a whole journey, which is, again, where my wife's trajectory of life went. She said, hey, I want to learn how to specialize in trauma aftercare so that I can help people like that. So she she does, and she's able to. Mm-hmm. And so those are the three, the three-prong approach we have with the three organizations that we get to support. And God is amazing. 
And over the last six years, we've seen $1.27 million raised to rescue people out of trafficking, to provide those services afterwards, and to prevent literally thousands of of girls from being trafficked in the first place. So it's been just a faith-building journey. We're thankful to God for the way that he works. Mm -hmm. Every videographer, photographer, every social media person who's a part of Verity for Freedom, they all volunteer their time. Our board volunteers their time so that we are literally able to give 100% of every donation directly to the cause. So God is good. He's yeah. good. It's just so amazing how just your heart for something, mm. something you see, just like you said, have been saying for all of these kids that you're working with, you saw an issue, you saw a need, and like, look what God did. Mm. And that's just so powerful. Um, you mentioned this just a little bit briefly, but I think, thankfully, there's been a lot more awareness, yep. especially in the last two years yep. about sex trafficking. But it used to, and still for some people is, mm-hmm. this assumption that that's just something that happens overseas. Mm. That, oh, that's something that happens in India and Afghanistan. You know, like a lot of these places um, that you mainly hear about in the news. Right. But the reality is, is here in America. And for me personally... I thought that. I thought it was something that just was a horrible thing that happened overseas. But um, I graduated from North Central with my social work degree. And Mm. so I worked at a um, youth center here in Minneapolis Mm. for a couple of years. And then I actually um, became an adoption social worker. So I've been working in adoption. um, Yeah. So I've been working in adoption, um, foster care, and um, working with birth mothers, creating an adoption Mm. plan. And that has been my heart. And then I kind of moved from working directly into a more teaching role and talking about that, talking about trauma, talking about all those things. Um, And I left that last year just to pursue other stuff, but that's that's my heart and did that for so long. And it was through those experiences that I'm like, some of these kids, there's something going on here. Mm -hmm. And hearing their stories and realizing sex trafficking is here and sitting with these young kids, because that's what they are, they're kids, and what they've gone through and processing with them. And it was just this huge slap in the face, for lack of better words, of what's going on here. And then we had the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. And I have a lot of friends who were very active. Um, Morgan Pearson is one of them. Uh, And she was really active with an organization at that time. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot of that prep work for things like the Super Bowl, where that's apparently, no idea, a really big time where trafficking happens. And so to see that, I'm like, that's my city. That's the reality of it, that it's here was so eye-opening to me um, and terrifying. So I don't know if you could just share a little bit. I would just love to hear from you and bring some awareness and just information about how that is. It's here and that's relevant in America too. 100%. Yeah, I think my assumption as well, because the first time I heard about trafficking from a speaker was in India, right? It's Mm -hmm. overseas or a developing nation, Southeast Asia, wherever it might be. And then I hear a story from my friend who I went to the same high school with here. And she told me a story how she got an injury playing hockey. She got addicted to pain medication. And she was basically coming to Minneapolis to meet up with her drug dealer to get more prescription meds. And one day, her one night, she was down in Minneapolis right here, and her car tire blew out. She's like, I can't call my family or friends. They're saying, what are you doing Mm. at this time of night in Minneapolis? So she called her drug dealer, and her drug dealer said, hey, we'll come take care of everything. The next thing she knows, she's waking up in a car, phone, wallet, everything's gone. She's basically a prisoner and being driven to a different state. Mm. And she was trafficked for, I think it was a couple weeks, Mm. out of a hotel room. And I, I think about that story of, it's chilling for me because we went to the same high school, yep. lived in the same city. Yeah. She went to one of our St. Paul colleges that we love and pray for. 
And here she was being trafficked out of our backyard in Minneapolis. And it was like, for me, a shocking thing. The very first 30 for Freedom, um, we sent everyone off to run. And I was at the church still just getting my shoes tied. And there was a, a lady that came up to me and she said, could I run with you and tell you a story? And I was like, I mean, I guess so. Like, I guess I'm pretty <laughs> slow if you could just run and just walk next to me and tell me a story. Yeah. But she's like, uh, she said, my daughter's running today, the 5K. And my mom, so the grandma in the story, she's like, didn't believe that trafficking was a thing, didn't believe that, kind of like how I was at first, didn't believe trafficking was happening here. And that week, I guess the grandma had seen a story on the news of a a person who was being trafficked out of a hotel in a basement, uh, part of a hotel in Bloomington. Mm -hmm. And she was seen, I think she got, somehow got free and she was running around. Um, I think she might've been either naked or like not, not having many mm. clothes on, running around, the police picked her up and they thought she was crazy because of the trauma she'd been through and yeah. she didn't speak English. Mm. And so on the news, they were saying how like, hey, this is, uh, this is like, they've, they've got an interpreter in there to translate what she was saying. And she, they found out that she was chained into a, a basement of a hotel and trafficked out of a hotel in Bloomington. We're running in, we're, she's telling me the story in Bloomington. Yeah. And so she said, my mom apologized to my daughter who was trying to raise funds. She gave in that, you know, she gave to my daughter's 30 for freedom thing, but she said we didn't realize what was happening here in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Last year, but 30 for freedom, the day before the, our event in the Twin Cities, a dad came up to me in the lobby and said, hey, do you have any extra sh- leftover shirts? And I said, I don't know if we will. We've got over 1,300 people participating today. And we only ordered, you know, enough or whatever. And I said, but there must be a story if you're asking mm-hmm. for an additional shirt. He said, there was a girl during COVID that we met during, during ministry outreach in 2020, 15 years old, and they basically were like, something's not right here. Some guys were trying to traffic her to New York from the Twin Cities. So this family stepped in and they had literally adopted her, 15 year old, 15 year old. And they, they she, so basically the, the story is she, she was um, gonna come last year to 30 for Freedom and bike on behalf of other girls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she can have my shirt. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. she can have take it. it. Take all the stuff, yeah, all of our things. Yeah. And so, um, our photographer at the finish line had no idea her story. And of the all the people that were there, one of the people that was biking across the finish line that we have a picture of, I don't post it on social for her privacy mm-hmm. sake and protection, was this girl who's now 16 years old, biking on behalf of other girls because she was almost trafficked, yeah. wearing the shirt that we got to give to her. Mm-hmm. And I just think about like, it literally happens here. It happens mm-hmm. in our backyard. Mm-hmm. I have friends who do school assemblies all over the nation. And they talk about whenever they talk about sex trafficking and they explain it and they teach on it in an assembly, they said they've never been to a school where there hasn't been at least one student that's come up to them after the assembly and said, I didn't realize, Yep. but that's happening. That's what's happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's literally happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that to be like a sensationalist. I don't say that to like scare people, Mm-mm. but like we need to be aware. The last thing I'll say on this, um, I talked to a pastor in Minneapolis and he said that he talked to a trafficker or a pimp in Minneapolis. Um, he does an- the pastor does anti-trafficking work and the, the pimp told him that he will go up to girls at like a mall, like let's say the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. He'll find someone and just uh, like say something like, hey, you look, you look beautiful, you look great. If they look down, or if they like look away and f- show a sign of vulnerability, he's like, they're instantly a target. Yeah. If they look him in the eye and say, thanks, and they're confident, he's like, they're not a target to me anymore. Hmm. I shared that story in 2019 at 30 Freedom Twin Cities chapter. And about five weeks later, I got a message on a direct message on Instagram. That exact scenario happened to one of our participants who was like 16 years old. She's like, I knew exactly what to do. I called the police. I called my dad. I got out of there. 
And you know what I mean? Like she yeah. was aware, but just the awareness yeah. can literally save somebody's life yeah. if we can help raise awareness. And then when we raise funds to, to you know, to do, to do the actual ministry mm-hmm. and front lines work, mm-hmm. um, it's changing lives. Yeah. And I, I like what you said too. It's like we're not sharing all of this to scare you. We're not no, no, no. we're not sharing all of this to make you hide all the kids you know in your life and yeah. be scared. But I think when I listen to this stuff, it literally makes me nauseous. It literally makes me just sick to my stomach. And it's really easy to want to just be like, you know what? I'm not going to think about it. Right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. It's too much for me to handle. I can't. It just makes me feel too icky. But. You have to, like you said, you have to have that awareness. And it's so important to realize that this is happening in our world. And these are God's kids. These are are God's people. And it's not just kids. It's all ages, unfortunately. And like, what can we be doing to make a difference? And if you're like, I hate running or you know what? That's just too much for me to stomach and to be a part of. How can I still give? How can I still be praying and and doing all of those things? Because it's easy to want to shut out the ickiness and the evil of the world and pretend it's not there. But just the reality that mm-hmm. it is here and, and what can we be doing yeah. is yeah. it's just so apparent. And so that's, I guess, a good segue into sure. what can people can be doing? How can they get connected? Let's say there's someone listening like, you know what? I love running. Or just yeah. like you said, I don't like running, <laughs> but I don't like sex trafficking more. Yeah. And what can they do to get involved or just any other resources you have? Yeah. Um, one of the things they can do is go to 30forfreedom.org. Mm-hmm. That's our website. Mm-hmm. On that website, they can... Sign up to be a, a participant and run or bike or rollerblade, um, move however they want to make their miles matter. They can also sign up to be a volunteer at any of our chapters, physical chapter locations, which is huge. We always need more volunteers. Um, you could donate on that site as well. And then we just actually yesterday were able to get recurring monthly donations set up. Oh, so awesome. Because we have, we have people that ask, like, hey, can I give yeah. you this every month? And we're like, wow, we don't have it set up. It's, it's now set up. It's on the site. Um, so those are four ways people can get involved. Um, if there's a, someone listening who says, hey, I'd like to sponsor that event. I'd like to be a part of that in a significant financial way in terms of as for my business or my company. Um, there's a way that they can submit a form on there as well. Um, we have some amazing sponsors that literally change the game. So like, for example, last year, we had so many sponsors that we are able to take the funds that people register with to like pay for their medal and their shirt. We were able to give over $30,000 of registration funds mm. directly to the causes because of our generosity of our sponsors. Awesome. <laughs> they awesome. all said, this is crazy. And so we're seeing that kind of stuff happen. So yeah, there's different ways to get involved. Um, I think one of the things too that I asked, we had a, an expert come in and speak to our college students. And I just said, hey, what can we do as college students or as next generation people to be protected from people that would try to reach out on like different place, mm-hmm. places? He said, it sounds, it's gonna sound simple and maybe overly simplistic, when it comes to social media, he said, you don't want to have your your profile set to public, like Instagram, mm-hmm. and you never want to have someone accept a follow request from someone you don't personally actually know, mm-hmm. and be careful on your direct messages, because oh. so many direct yeah. messages are, they're, they're scams, and they're people that are like, hey, send me a picture, oh, send me mm-hmm. this, send me that, and as soon as I get a picture, then they have leverage, and then it's, they actually call it sextortion instead of mm-hmm. extortion, mm-hmm. and so I've heard some crazy stories about that kind of stuff, so it's basically protect yourself by having it pri- your settings private um, when it comes to direct messages. Be really, really careful. Don't, don't let people follow you who you don't personally know, um, just to be aware that way. Um, Operation Underground Railroad is a place where actually I did an online training. It was mm-hmm. free online training on their site. Um, but it kind of walked you through signs that you can recognize. 
of trafficking that might mm -hmm. be potential trafficking that might happen. And so just for the awareness and educational piece, um, something like that can be really helpful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if people want to get involved, um, they can definitely reach out to us at 30forfreedom.org. Mm -hmm. We'd love to love to have them team up with us to make a difference. Yeah. And when is the next 30 for Freedom? It's coming up. It's really soon. It's coming up. Yep. So the Minnesota chapters are May 28th, mm -hmm. 2022. And then we have, and it's all on the site, but we have um, our different chapters in Wisconsin happen earlier. And then our Iowa chapter will happen in June. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, and this will probably come out this episode about a month before. And so you can still sign up. You can still get involved. You just got a month to prepare. Yep. You can do it because the weather will be warm in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and if they sign we up need be warm. Before, <laughs> before April 28th so they can get their T-shirt. Mm -hmm. That's when we have our T-shirt cutoff is April 28th, a month before, 30 days okay. before the event. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people like to – that's a, actually a really cool thing. They did a huge – in 2019, um, Star Tribune did a huge uh, front story picture um, cover – uh, article about the record attendance at state the state fair and mm -hmm. and the kid on the front was wearing a 30 for freedom yes shirt. and I'm like let's go <laughs> look so, at this free advertising so just, yeah so just like to, to bring awareness <laughs> yeah. people like to wear <clears throat> excuse me like to wear the the gear and then have conversations about it I've mm -hmm. got different running gear from 30 for freedom and I'll wear it at the gym and you know if someone has a question I can just like raise yeah. awareness in a conversation yeah you know that's perfect. Well, we'll make sure to link to everything in our bio, too, awesome. and when we post about it so people can get involved. And I really encourage people, get involved. Whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be, I am not a runner. I will not probably ever run 30 miles or something. But I just, like, I can do a 5K. Yeah. I can yeah. do this. I could give. I could pray. Yeah. I could get people involved. You know, there's there's stuff like that that we can be mm -hmm. doing and just being involved. So thank you so much for yeah. just sharing today all about next generation and mm -hmm. and this really important, really important topic. Mm -hmm. um, and I just am praying for you guys that it just be a record breaking year mm -hmm. in thank so you. many ways for you. And just to throw it out there, there's a we have a 5K, a 10K, mm -hmm. a half marathon, and a 30. Mm -hmm. So if people are saying, hey. I don't have time to train for 30 miles. They could do a half marathon at 13.1 or a mm -hmm. 10K at 6.2 miles or a 5K at 3.1. So we have something for everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we invite people who have kiddos, push their strollers, oh, yeah. their kids involved. Say, Bring your so kids. <laughs> it's, it's, a really, it's a really fun experience, but mm -hmm. it's a really powerful one because like you said, the synergy of coming together mm -hmm. collectively as a body of Christ to yeah. say, this cannot happen on our watch. Um, there's just something about that that's dynamic. So yeah. God's good. Well, thank you so much, Brent, for being here today and sharing all of this. And I'm excited to hear what God does this year for you. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of E to the Power of Three. We were honored to hear from Brent Silkey on 30 for Freedom and pouring into the next generation. Learn more about 30 for Freedom at 30forfreedom.org and by following 30 for Freedom on social media. As you may know, BTG is looking forward to hosting the annual Single Moms Retreat in Alexandria, Minnesota this June 3rd through 4th. We are currently accepting donations of brand new and very gently used clothing, shoes, jewelry, and accessories, as well as brand new undergarments for a shopping area we call the Diva Boutique. Check out mnbtg.org retreat for Diva Boutique drop-off site locations that are open now through May 15th. Find other great ways to get involved or register to attend, volunteer, or exhibit at mnbtg.org retreat as well. If you might, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen so that others can find it and enjoy the same content you love as well. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next time on E to the Power of Three. 